matter which end of the season you're listening to this on, either Christmas is right around the corner or it's already happened. We hope you're having the best holiday season possible and are ready for the new year. We only have, hey, no matter where you are, we only have a few days left before we turn into 2024. So here it is, the final Elwood City Limits of 2023. Uh, Will Young here for the episodic Arthur podcast. Along with Santa! Hooray, he made it again! William, hello! Santa, this is becoming a regular surprise visit. Oh, you know that Santa takes time out of his busy schedule to visit all his favorite children's cartoon podcast hosts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, Will, uh, Santa knows you've been very good this year. Uh, oh, thanks, Santa. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, I try. And as a result, Santa has decided to give you a Buster episode. Ho, ho, Yay! Ho. Thank you, Santa. No problem, William. No problem. Just make sure you stay off of the naughty list. And for those of you listening, Santa loves it when you donate to the Patreon. Ha! 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 Santa's coming down with a cold or something, so he has to go. <laughs> bye bye. Make sure you wear your mask, Santa. Bye, Santa. Santa's actually an anti-vaxxer and he's anti-mask. That's Santa's into weird natural health stuff. Ah, okay, get, ah, get him out of here. Get him out of here. That was a uh, that was a uh, regrettable Santa, everybody. Um, hey, what's but, up, Will? Did I miss anything? Yeah, sorry, Lucas. You just missed Santa, oh. and well, nobody's gonna believe me when I tell you that he's anti-vax because no, it's that like can't bi- be true. Come on. No, it's like yeah, it's like Bill Murray. How like how nobody's Santa. gonna who nobody's gonna believe me. So I don't know. I, I guess I just know a horrible truth that I have to keep to the rest of my days. Yeah, well, good thing yeah. this isn't being recorded or anything. No, no, no. Let's get ready to record it in three, two, one. Uh, yeah, that's my co-host Lucas Mancini, and we are either. Uh, pre-Christmas or post-Christmas, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, and we do want to say a big holiday thank you to, well, to everybody, first of all. I mean, you know That's leading up to the patrons, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Thank you to everybody for spending your holiday time with us here on Elwood City Limits. And we do have one final email before we end off the year, and that is at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Don't forget to send your emails over there. This one comes from Ashley Hollingsworth. With the holiday season in full swing, I always have to sit down and watch my favorite Christmas movie, Home Alone. Thinking about this and Arthur, which Arthur characters would be the McAllisters in the movie? Binky would be Kevin's older brother, Buzz, obviously. Arthur would probably be Kevin. DW would be Linny, Kevin's sister. Jane and Dad Reed, Kevin's parents, obviously. And Buster would be maybe Fuller, who wets the bed. Um, who uh, We could have Mr. Morris as Old Man Marley, maybe? Or do we have, like, no, Dr. Fugue's got to be Old Man Marley. Wait, who did you say was going to be the, the, wet ba- the wet bandits? I don't know... Uh, the Ashley tough didn't customers? Say. Yeah, totally. Got, gotta be, right? They, they have the most Pesci energy. Like, uh, Rattles has gotta be uh, Joe Pesci's character. Mm, and then I, Molly I can be inspired can be the casting. other one. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is good. This is coming together. Anybody we're missing? Uh, 
Mom and Dad. No, I think they got them. Uh, oh, who's the uncle that's like, look what you did, you little jerk? Oh, who's that guy? I don't know. Mr. Haney? Maybe even Arthur's uncle. Oh, yeah. He's uncle, a, Fre- uncle Fred. Uncle Fred is the type of person to call someone a little jerk. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So we got, a, we got a working cast for Arthur Home Alone here. Last time I emailed you guys, I mentioned my hatred of the Compsons. And while I do hate them, there's another character that I dislike that I never hear anyone talk about. Mrs. Tingley. She's the epitome of the mean school administrator. She just seems to hate children and her jobs. Miss Tingley seems so haughty and unpleasant to be around. She's the type of person who's always frowning and in a bad mood. She even just looks mean. Every time I see her pursed lipped face, I roll my eyes. I knew too many school administrators like her back when I was in school. So yeah, season like one characters, you thought you were safe. But Ashley has some things to say about Miss Tingley. Remember Miss Tingley, Lucas? I, I remember Miss Tingley. I thought Miss Tingley was a, for the same reason I thought Mr. Haney was so funny, I always thought she was a really funny comedic character. Yeah, I don't know. They they, they didn't really have her do too many. She was she was very much a foil the few times she yes. showed up, or just an incidental character. Her and, and, you know, kind of to bounce off Mrs. Fink. Yeah, Miss, Mrs. Fink, barely a character. Or, or Miss Fink, now after the divorce. See the last episode. Thoughts on the recent episode? I felt so seen in the intro for Sue Ellen adds it up. The way Sue Ellen describes math is how I feel about it. Math and I have never been friends. We're still not on good speaking terms. Much how Sue Ellen describes math class as Mr. Ratburn speaking another language. I felt the same way. I would space out so bad in math class because I never understood what was going on. And much like Sue Ellen, I don't really measure things and choose to eyeball it, which is why Prunella rubbed me the wrong way here. I guess I get her point, but she's she really needed to calm down with trying to get Sue Ellen to admit she's a math person. I still don't understand why she cared so much. Though I use math every single day, I would still not consider myself a math person. Yeah, it's it's the the distinction of math person is just like there are math people out there, much like you, Ashley. I'm not one of them either, but we do use math every day. So it's it's like we're all math people, but there are some people who aren't math persons, if that makes sense. I don't know. But thank you, Ashley, for the email. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Don't forget to send in your thoughts via email uh, in the new year, because that's when we'll be getting to them. And we want to say thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash ElwoodCityLimits. They got to read uh, the latest ECL Origins text post, my, my ranking, my definitive ranking of the Batman the Animated Series episodes. Um... I, Instead of doing an episode on Batman the Animated Series, which that is that is a show that I feel has been so well covered in podcasts that are way better produced than than ours is. I, hey, listen, you're listening to a great podcast, but there are other podcasts that go way more in-depth than we would be able to on Batman the Animated Series, plus YouTube videos, documentaries. You should definitely seek those out. But if you're looking to see which episodes that you should prioritize if you want to do a full series watch, because some of those episodes pretty bad, actually. It's a huge show. So if you want to know exactly which ones are the best ones to watch, then check out my list and you can see it there. And we will have cool new Patreon stuff coming up in the new year. So we want to say thank you to our people. Patreon.com slash Limits. People such as Leanne S. and Ian Collis, Shayna Bennett and Marlo Stanfield and Peebs. Thank you to Ursula Cat and to JHC. Thank you to RG 
and to Jenny Cardenas. Thank you to Derek Watson Jr. and Mamata. Thank you to Marco William, The Flying Sparks 32, and Maddie Hines. And thank you to Drew Bell and Anne Perry. If it's been a while since you've heard your name, please let me know. But you're right, uh, Lucas, you weren't here for this, obviously. Um, Santa left us a great gift that we're talking about here today. It's a double buster episode. Oh, wow. Santa was really thinking about me this year. Yeah. I mean, he gave, he, he did give the present to me. So yeah. it did seem to be like, I mean, I'm, for I'm me, a but... stalwart on the naughty list. You know, I'm always clocking in naughty hours. So this Let's... is definitely one for you. But it's the season of giving. So I really don't mind sharing this episode with you, Lucas. Um, Buster plays a pivotal role. I wouldn't say this is sort of a double Buster episode. He's not the main character of the second one, but he is in it a lot. So I'm very happy about that. So let's start it off with Buster isn't buying it. And it's all about the Megatoad, Lucas. Buster and Mr. Morris are watching a show that we've never seen before. (laughs) This is the first time we've seen an episode of the factoid front that is talking about urban legends in and around Elwood City, such as the Megatoad that lives at Lake Shagamuck. Okay, so the factoid front. Okay, lots to dive into. There, yes, here. let's let's um, let's. First get of all, it. I'm ready for a whole Arthur episode that all just takes place in an episode episode of the factoid front. Um, this might be the best kind of fake media property Arthur has introduced, in my opinion, in seasons. Oh, yeah. Um, And the thing that really ties it together, it's not just kind of the editing or the framing. This factoid front seems to be some sort of cryptid kind of like history channel, (laughs) 2023 history channel style TV show. But the best part is the host, Martin Spivak. Yeah. And and so the name sounded familiar, Will, but um, the vocal performance is very distinct. This doesn't sound like one of our current crop of kind of Arthur vocal talents. Like, it's not just, as much as we love Bruce Dinsmore, it's not just a Bruce Dinsmore fill-in. It's a very distinct voice among the cast. So did you look up who plays Martin Spivak? I didn't, but I will look look it up right now. So, Lucas, do you do you not recognize Martin Spivak, the character, or do you remember him? I it, I vaguely remember the name. When did it, Was he working so, for, like, a news organization? What was up with Martin Spivak? There was a... There was a there was an episode a few seasons ago where uh, Bitsy might have been getting a new boyfriend or something, and uh, they had like a cutaway where he's this really boring journalist that works with Bitsy. Right, he's right, just right, kind right. of like a drip, and but and he's he's like he's got this. He looks exactly like he is here, and then at the end, Buster goes, "I hate Martin Spivak because it seems he just created this guy out of thin air." But now I'm starting to wonder, did Buster create this guy or did he already know about Martin Spivak before he got him in his head? Because here, you're right, he is like a John Walsh type or um, um, Robert Stack who host, who hosted Unsolved Mysteries. Or even He's Jesse, that kind Jesse of Ventura. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Um, so, and to answer your previous question, Lucas, the voice actor for Dr. Martin Spivak is an actor named Jamie Watson who was also in... Who was also a voice in uh, Peep in the Big Wide World, which we did an episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast about. He was the voice of Quack. So, so speaking of Quackery, uh, and Do- Dr. Martin Spivak <laughs> um, basically presents this kind of expose about the Megatoad, uh, which he describes as either – there's one of two possibilities. 
it's either a myth or the frightening, undeniable truth that the Megatone <laughs> is among us. Um, and kind of Buster is watching this on TV uh, on the phone with Mr. Morris, which this is like, I feel like kind of a passe practice, you know, being on the phone watching something. They do it on Arthur all the time, but I feel like people don't do this anymore. Um, and can, yeah. you just, can you describe what the Megatoad looks like? The Megatoad, well... Because it's, it's very distinctive. Yeah, it's it's a, it, it looks like a mad ball. If you remember mad balls. Oh yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Its eyes are bloodshot and bugging out and it's got this big like kind of toothy mouth with its big gross like tongue sticking out and its whole head is its body, like it's all one thing, very mad ball-esque. It's, it's, it, 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 you know, you made a reference last episode to Rick and Morty. This this almost looks like a creation from the Cronenberg universe mm, in that show. Mm, mm. It's very uncanny in many ways. But it is, yeah, this giant drooling, snarling toad-type creature. This, uh, um, this whole segment really works because, it's the, it, like, back when we would have Dark Bunny episodes or something... Um, I would always remark on they changed the editing style and the music and the framing. Like, mm-hmm. the better, the more they change when they do one of these parodies, kind of the more effective it is and the more opportunities to be creative. And this whole kind of factoid front segment, it really should be, you should seek this out even if you don't watch this full episode because it's uh, a great example that they could still really do these parodies well in the in the Flash era. Like, the way the camera is framed in all these shots is totally different than the framing in a regular Arthur episode. Um, like I said, the vocal delivery and the presentation style is totally different than Arthur usually is, and it really sells this parody. Buster is watching this with Mr. Morris, and they are they're they're talking over the phone. I really liked that we continued this because we've seen before there was the big thing in April 9th where Mr. Morris uh broke his leg and then went to go retire in Arizona and you and I were kind of disappointed that that never get fo- that's ne- that never gets followed up on to the point where like in the last episode Mr. Morris was a background character. So I'm really glad that we are still paying tribute to the fact that Buster and Mr. Morris have bonded over aliens and cryptids and all this weird stuff. So they see this. Buster immediately thinks that this whole report is real. Uh, And Mr. Morris even asks him, like, do you think it's uh, truth or fiction? Buster says, definitely truth. It's on TV. (laughs) So this is the idea of the show here. Uh, But... I'm sorry, Factoid Front is not long for this world. In fact, the episode starts with Buster being informed by Bitsy that his favorite show got canceled. Uh, because, now now get this, a television show was canceled because they were telling things that weren't true. You know, like like like, 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 like the, how that happens in real life, Will. Yeah, but- I mean, Unsolved Mysteries got, got canceled after one season. It definitely didn't go on to be a decade-spanning franchise. I think every sort of editorial uh, segment in existence, every sort of news article, every sort of kind of statement should be kind of verified by Jonathan Frakes uh, coming out and telling us if it's fact or fiction. Mm, I think that mm. would solve misinformation. You know, in Canada, we have the CRTC who kind of is the governing body in, in charge of broadcast media. And I think it should be CRTC mandated that Jonathan Frakes needs to come out at the end of every television program. And if it's fake, he says, we made it up. 
And if it's real, he goes, it's totally true. It's fact. No way. Not a chance. We made this one up. Uh, or, at the very least, if he can tell us if it's based. That That's, that's what I really <laughs> want to know. Do you think this story is based? <laughs> it is. <laughs> that's a great video. Check that out, too. We see here that Martin Spivak is... He is a doctor in the field of forensic speculography, which is brought back childhood memories of my own. There was a brief period when I was like 10 or 11 where I was really, really taken with, um, what is it called? Par- uh, like par- people who research the paranormal, uh, parapsychology, that kind of stuff. We there's a, There is a guy, a local author who made books about ghosts of Nova Scotia. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I was like, I'm going to be a parapsychologist when I grow up. And now I'm just like, what a made-up job that is. No disrespect to anybody who who likes to believe in ghosts well, and aliens. Hey, this this episode is on your side. It's just, you know, it forensic speculography hits me in the same way as well, parapsychology. And Buster does. is so interested in forensic speculography, he wrote it down because that's what he wants to practice as mm-hmm. when he grows up. But the worry here is that Buster thinks that perhaps if if he was if he believed everything that this show told him and then it got canceled because it was not being truthful, maybe he's too gullible, which of course is one of Buster's big traits. He believes anything that he says and then he tells everybody immediately. Impossible to keep secrets. So he decides to become new Buster. He just completely throws out everything in his room related to cryptids. So Bigfoot, aliens, all that kind of stuff. He throws it away and he becomes a skeptic. He's only going to believe in things that have hard scientific proof. So that means he doesn't believe in horoscopes. He doesn't believe in luck. He doesn't even believe in the weather forecast. But Lucas, we got confirmation in this episode that you and Buster are more alike than oh my you gosh. maybe realized. Yeah, I know. So Buster's big into horoscopes, and Arthur kind of teases him by beginning to read it. What uh, what sign is Buster, Lucas? Buster, but, so first of all, great line from Buster where he's trying to kind of uh, he, he's trying to force himself to deny the pull of um, astrology by saying astrology hogwash poppycock. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, Buster is indeed an Aquarius, my star sign. So who knows, Will? This is either a coincidence. We're going to have our own fact or fiction moment right here. This is either a coincidence or empirical evidence that astrology is fact, uh, given uh, my and Buster's uh, personality similarities. Who knows? Um. Yeah, I wonder. Ooh, great stuff. Okay, so there is a page on the Arthur Wiki where they – we do have confirmation of a couple of the astrological signs of the character of a few of the characters. Now, some of these aren't confirmed, but so we have Buster as an Aquarius. Uh, Muffy and Arthur are Gemini's. Fern is a Libra, and Francine and DW are Pisces. No, no Virgos. Once again, no Vir- Virgo representation. Very hard to come by in uh, in a lot of things. Well, let's let's see. Famous. I'm gonna look up famous Virgos. Will I feel bad for you? We gotta find a celeb. Beyonce. Will. Okay. You uh, you Virgo representation get, right there. Keanu here, Reeves. Look, here, here, here. Look look up Virgo cartoon characters. Let's oh, keep okay. it. Let's keep okay. it in the medium. 
Okay. Give me a Virgo cartoon character. Cartoon. Famous Virgos. Apparently, uh, Kakashi Hatake from Naruto. These are oh, all like anime. Kakashi. These are all anime characters for some reason. Sailor. Well, well, Sailor because Mercury. the manga, the manga usually gives their like mm. their birth date and blood type, so you can, you know, ascribe that sort of thing. Tom Holland in Spider Man is a Virgo. Let's see. The actor or like the the character. Peter Parker. Yeah, Hiccup in nice. How to Train Your Dragon is a Virgo. Nice. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. That. That'll do. Okay. Uh, let's see if we can figure out if any of the Arthur characters are Virgos based on context clues. And by we, I mean you, the listener, please. Um, anyway, I, I did like that coincidence that Buster is a is an Aquarius as well as, uh, as, as Lucas. So during this moment, you know, this is kind of Buster is having his kind of Taylor Swift moment because uh, he keeps talking <laughs> he, Taylor Swift reputation era uh, because Buster okay. keeps talking about the old Buster would believe something like that. But the oh, new Buster, yeah. you know, he's fully embraced his kind of skeptic mentality, which, yeah, is reminiscent of, you know, Taylor Swift telling us the old Taylor is dead. She can't come to the phone right now. Um, and this is actually, I think, just genius. Um, we take Buster, who is such a core part of his character is that he'll believe any and everything. And now he's so dedicated to being a skeptic. Um, he won't even believe Arthur when Arthur says it's a nice day outside until he's, uh, Arthur provides him with evidence of the nice day. And Arthur is frustrating, frustrated goes, just look out the window. Right. And, and, and Buster, Buster's a man of extremes. Like he's either way into something or he's way out of something. So this totally, totally tracks, but, it, of course, he's taking it too far. So his friends want him to be to be a believer again, to be the same old Buster again. So they actually use Brain to try and encourage him to do this, even though Brain is all for Buster being for scientific explanations. Like, Brain uh, is trying to convince him to be a believer again, and it takes Brain a like it takes a physical toll on him to admit there's like a zero 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 one percent chance that there may be a megatoad. Like, he's like, can I get a drink of water after that? It's, like, hurt, hurting him. But Buster's resolute. He's steadfast. He's not going to... He's not going to believe in it unless he can see it or prove it. So their final step, Arthur, Buster, and Brain... Or, sorry, Arthur Francine and Brain is to create a megatoad costume. And they use it to try to spook Buster. And it almost works. It's this... Like, the center part of the costume is not bad, but the arms are clearly, like, Brain and Francine's sweaters and, like, holding a hockey stick and stuff. So it's not a great costume, but it's enough to fool Buster. Unfortunately, they're walking Pal at the time, and Pal uh, rescues them f uh, and ruins the costume. I do like that when Pal uh, <laughs> tears off the costume, he gets a little heroic theme because he thinks he's doing the right thing. So yeah, the, he, Buster again, resolute. He he's like he's gonna need evidence to believe in this stuff. But then he has a phone call with Mister Morris, and I liked this. Again, it reinforces why they are friends, and I think this is actually a really good way to think about it for um, belief in things like aliens or horoscopes or luck or any of that sort of harmless stuff. Mister Morris talks about how he believes in aliens. Because, for one thing, there's a lot that we as humans don't know about. There's so much of the universe that we haven't seen that we can't even calculate with today's technology. So, it's a way to acknowledge that we don't know everything. And he believes because he likes to. 
as he says, life is a lot more interesting with a little mystery in it. I don't like. I thought this. I thought that was really good. I I found that that was a really good encapsulation of like why these types of belief are as long as they're not harming anybody, mm. like mostly fine to engage in. We also get an appearance at the very very end from Toadie. Yes, there was like a Toadie cameo at the end where he where he eats a fly. I guess I assume it's Toadie because it's like the same character model. But yeah, at the end here, Buster is fully back into his believer lifestyle. In fact, as we see, he even keeps a tinfoil hat handy in his back pocket. So he's way back into it and with a vengeance. So yeah, I thought that was a real nice way to end that off. And now a word from us kids. This involves a summer camp this time. Wilson and Lynn are two kids at Beaver Summer Camp, and they're both researching and creating a monster around Hammond Pond, which is in Newton, Massachusetts. Uh, I really liked these two kids. They, I, I really enjoy when we get the kids who are, like, really good on camera, like, made to be, like, these kids could host the zone. You know what I'm talking about? They they have these detective outfits that they put on, so the long trench coat and the hat and the magnifying glass. Um, there was a lead-in line where uh, I think one of the they're, – because they're interviewing the kids at their summer camp of, like, have you ever seen the monster? Like, what do you know about it? One of the kids is like, I think it likes to hunt little sisters. And Lynn goes, oh! I'm a little sister. Like, perfect. Way to go, kid. And the final monster costume that they create is actually pretty intricate. It's like several kids long forming this big chain of like a monster made out of like card colored cardboard and stuff like that. I, I, I liked this. I got I got a good kick out of it. We're on we're on a really good run of word from us kids segments. I uh the my big takeaway from this word of us word from us kids segment is this seemed like one of the more fun ones to be involved with. Sometimes these kids' projects are yeah. a little bit lame, but this is essentially, yeah. you know, they start off this summer camp experience by drawing a bunch of fake cryptids that they made up. Um, mm. When they're gathering evidence, I don't know where they procured these outfits, but they have little detective outfits complete with, like, the overcoats and fedoras, and this just seems like a really fun activity. Yes. No, totally. And I feel like we get that a lot more when we go to a summer camp as opposed to, like, a ki their classroom. So every once in a while we get to do that, and I appreciate it, too. Hi, everybody. It's Lucas, your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice if they aren't on one of those services let us know you can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com 
Finally, the Patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. This gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL or Origins, where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, And most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now, back to the show. And now our sort of Buster episode is One Ornery Critter. It's actually more of an Arthur episode, but as I said, Buster is uh, involved in this. He's very important to this. It's The cold open here is talking about how sometimes we discover what we're really great at, uh, and even at young ages. So Arthur's thing that he's great at is he volunteers at the animal shelter because he's very good with dogs. Now, Arthur, of course, is a dog lover. He loves Pal. He's he's really good with him. But here we establish that Arthur is just good with dogs in general, like which is not necessarily something we would guess. I mean, perhaps. I mean, he's so passionate about Pal. Uh, mm. I would think. And what's um Grandma Thor's dog's name again? Killer. Killer. Okay, I was like thinking to myself, is it actually Killer? It's so funny that that's the dog's <laughs> name. Um, but he's good with Killer, too. Um, I-, I would venture and guess that he's good with dogs. By the way, both these episodes, both the Megatoad and this one, I gotta mention it or else someone else is gonna write in and say we yeah. didn't mention it. Uh, animal <laughs> hierarchy, it's an animal hierarchy palooza, these two episodes. At the start of the episode, when they're talking about the heron and the megatoad, I was like, oh, man, animal hierarchy, press the button. Uh, And this one, too, (laughs) with all the stuff, dog care, uh, it's just, once again, uh, laying bare the distinction between funny animals and non-funny animals. Anyway. Well, on the head of the animal shelter is a dog. How's it, how is that how do you how do you rectify that in your minds if, you, if you're that if you're that guy we're just not supposed to think about it will <laughs> Arthur also briefly mentions that like sometimes you can discover at an early age what you're good at so like Francine, we see little Francine and and she must have been like two years old or something she catches a, a vase when it almost gets knocked over so she's good at sports little baby Buster he discovers he's funny when he's a baby I lo- I love it when they do the little Arthur kid designs. They, they they don't always look the same from time to time, but I don't know. I just get, like, a little kick out of that. Like, I really like the Muppet babies and stuff like that. So, yeah, Arthur's thing is that he's really good with dogs, and we consider this going into the cold. The, the cold open actually leads directly into the episode because Buster is taking care of his aunt's dog, and he is looking for help because he knows that Arthur is really good with dogs. Now, I got to say, uh, Buster's aunt's dog is named Carrot Cake, and she is adorable. I love carrot cake. Now, Will, just, I don't want to rain on your parade here, but what if we get carrot cake to return in a future dog and baby episode, and she's like, yeah. hello, it's me, carrot cake. That's, Lucas, oh. I need to I need to enjoy this while we're here. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I just flew in from across the pond. It's yeah. me, carrot cake, where's all the crisps? In the figgy pudding for Father Christmas. 
No. No. Maybe maybe that's uh, why you like carrot cake so much, Will, is that we haven't had such a reveal yet. Because she hasn't been ruined yet. Exactly. Carrot cake is just a cute dog. And that's all we need. We we got to see Pal in these two episodes. He's just being a cute, smart dog. It's fine. That's all I wanted. That's all I needed. <sighs> but yes, carrot cake, great dog name, is very cute. And she gets to do a couple of funny things here. Because Arthur goes to help Buster with taking care of her, but immediately she does not really like Arthur. She seems to be kind of afraid of him. And we never lock into a specific reason as to why. And we don't need to. That's the point of this episode. But there's no incident that scares her off. She just kind of doesn't prefer Arthur. And that seems to be part of her temperament, as we find out later. Uh, I've definitely had... so. I, we've probably talked about this before, definitely in regards to Pal. I have never owned a pet. Right. And I'm not... I used to really not think of myself as like a cat or a dog person. I think what I, I really love looking at videos of cats and dogs, but to right. take care of them is a little bit different. Uh, uh, there's a dog that we take care of that I've put up pictures of on the Discord before. He's very cute. I like him because he's so dumb. Um, but I've also had bad experiences with dogs. Nothing too bad. Just like I have anxiety. And as an anxiety riddled child, a dog that's barking and yapping and trying to climb up on you does it like bad memories for me. Mm. So it's I, I'm sort of blooming more into I wouldn't say a dog person, but at least somebody who likes dogs later in life. And so, of course, you give me a cute cartoon dog. I'm all over that. Right. Uh, I got a Boston Terrier that I live with, my buddy Kermit. Uh, he's my buddy. Uh, we hang out. Uh, and I never really thought... I didn't grow up with animals, uh, so I never really thought I was more of a cat or a dog person. I've had cats before, usually a roommate's cat or something. Uh, yeah. but, but in hanging out with my buddy Kermit, I think I'm conclusively a dog person. Because sometimes I'm just looking at Kermit and we just have a whole conversation just through body language. I just know what that guy's thinking and what he wants and what have you. Sometimes my roommate will trip and me and the dog will look at each other like we're in like some sort of <laughs> early 2000s comedy tra trailer. Uh, so, yeah, I think I conclusively come on the dog side of this debate. And I agree with you that Carrot Cake is a very cute name for a dog. Um, yeah, and, and Carrot Cake seems to really love Buster. She gets along really well with him. But they go to, they go to give her a walk and... Arthur leaves first, and then Carrot Cake just closes the gates. I thought that was funny. In classic Arthur fashion, as we've been seeing for seven years now by our time, Arthur gets totally in his head about why Carrot Cake doesn't like him because Arthur has anxiety, and this type of his brain will eat itself alive if he gives himself the room to. So he just needs to find out what is it about him that Carrot Cake doesn't like. It's got to be something that he can change. Um, you were mentioning earlier, just very quickly, about uh, the the was it the fa the factoid. Uh, sorry, I completely forgot the name of that. Oh, the facto uh, uh, factoid, the factoid front. front. <laughs> yeah, they're at the forefront so you're, you're of factoid. So you're right, and that's like that's like the most successful fake television show they've had in a while because they had that Antiques Roadshow uh, ripoff, and then they also have Extreme Kite Flying, which showed up again in this episode, and is just kind of like a. Like, a, just a background gag to set the scene. It's not really anything. Uh, so, Buster, or sorry, Arthur 
tries to make himself smell more like Buster because he thinks maybe she likes his smell. Uh, Arthur's got like a, a Hannibal style sense of smell here. He like puts his like puts his nose to Buster's hand. He's like pizza and like chocolate cake. Like he's able to divine exactly what's on his hands. Yeah, uh, that do- Buster. That doesn't work. Uh, Arthur been using Fragrancia or fragrant. How do you pronounce the website? The fragrance wiki. Uh, because he's able to discern and separate these smells immediately. I was like, wow, he's like a regular Jeremy fragrance. He's, he's got an experienced nose. What is the fragrance wiki? It's Well, it's called like Fragrancia. Let me, I, I'm definitely mispronouncing it, but it's like um, the fragrance heads listening, they know what I'm talking about. You can um, look up any fragrance and it'll tell oh. you, you got kind of the base notes um, and the kind of top notes, uh, and it will tell you kind of what season you're supposed to wear the fragrance in. It'll people who use the website organize it in. I want this fragrance. I don't want this fragrance. I like this fragrance. I don't like this fragrance. They add it. Mm. If you like this fragrance, you might like that fragrance. So on and so forth. Frag ran, uh, frag ran, tika, fragrantica, maybe fragrancia. I don't know if it's a. Uh, or a K, but it's F-R-A-G-R-A-N-T-I-C-A is the website. And anyway, it Fragr- seems like... Fragrantica? Yeah, maybe. Either way, mm. it seems like uh, Arthur is a power user, the way he's able to discern these smells uh, from nose alone. You know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of pushing daisies. He had he had a big another Brian Fuller show. Um, DW when he's telling his family Arthur is about how um, carrot cake seemingly doesn't like him. DW says normally I don't like dogs, but this one sounds pretty smart. There's some good DW heaters in this one. Um, we also see so Arthur trying to make himself smell like Buster doesn't work. He tries to keep himself away from Pal uh, in case the smell of Pal is setting off carrot cake. And then presents to her, like, with a suit and a bow tie on. And that doesn't really work. He also tries to bribe her with, like, toys and stuff like that. Um, there's actually a period earlier than this where Buster... Sorry, keep confusing them. Where Arthur just watches her for hours to try and figure out exactly what it is that's, like, what she likes and what she doesn't like. He's really obsessing over it. One thing that... I'm really, really picky about these days. So as somebody, again, somebody who doesn't own a dog is our friend's dog that we take care of. Our friends, they're really, really good dog trainers. And so their dog is, he's still like, he's still got a bit of puppy in him, but he's pretty darn well behaved. And that's because they spent a lot of time training him. And I have very little patience for like poorly trained dogs or really the people who don't take the time to train them well so seeing buster here where um carrot cake is begging for part of his sandwich and buster says sorry and i'm like that's right don't don't feed them from the table the final thing that arthur tries and we only get like a shot of this um arthur tries to dress himself up as buster and buster as arthur which is what a screenshot like let me take it from me, the person who screenshots every Arthur episode. This is this this is I can't believe they just like glanced over this. To to describe it, we have Arthur dressed in Buster's clothing. He doesn't have his glasses on, and he has fake bunny ears. And then Buster is wearing Arthur's clothes and glasses, and his ears are matted back like gelled hair. Yeah, this is a really crazy image i'm looking at this right now and and this is 
kind of something. First of all, Arthur just looks weird without his glasses. I agree with DW about this. He looks yes. odd, um, but he looks even stranger with the fake ears and Buster's clothes. Um, this is this is one for the heads. I feel like yeah, this is rife with. This seems to have Arthur meme potential. This is an untapped, strange image. Um, something this like looks like it could be an album cover. <laughs> when you and a homie try to switch your swag up, or something like that. <laughs> I was like, this is what me and Lucas actually look like. <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> none of none of that seems to work. And Arthur, I mean, Buster's trying to tell him, like, you know, chill out. It's fine. But Arthur can't chill out. It's, he's incapable. So finally, his last-ditch effort is to take care of Carrot Cake overnight at his own house, which we don't really see Carrot Cake and Pal interact. They're seemingly fine with each other. I would just be like, want to make sure that they can stand to be in each other's company for that long, because they're both pretty uh, upbeat, playful dogs. But seemingly it's okay. And doesn't li- Carrot Cake doesn't like Arthur, but she does like DW, which DW already says before, she's not a dog person, but she likes Carrot Cake, and Carrot Cake, when Carrot Cake's on her hind legs, she's like as tall as DW, so that was a bit of a weird sight to see. And Arthur tries a switcheroo overnight. Uh, Carrot Cake is sleeping with DW, but then Arthur tags DW out of her own bed, wakes up, and uh, surprises Carrot Cake, and she does not like that at all. And DW is is just like, man, that dog must really not like you. And Arthur finally verbalizes exactly what his problem is. He says, if she doesn't like me, then there are other dogs out there who don't like me either. And then I'm not really a dog person. To which I was like, I feel this exact same way, but about like other people. Well, and then Will, Arthur gives you some very valuable advice here. Which mm. is, after verbalizing this and saying it out loud, he realizes... Wait a minute, that's crazy. <laughs> and then he kind yeah. of gets over his problem. And much like this is, I mean, you can speak to this better than I can, Will, but sometimes when your anxious mind is leading you astray, you just kind of have to hear yourself say it out loud and realize, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, this is much ado about nothing. I'm, uh, I, I've been freaking myself out over absolutely nothing, and it's time to uh, move on. So good advice from Arthur here. Great, actually, kind of a great example of Arthur solving his own problem, not really because of someone else or, uh, you know, the advice of a mentor, but just kind of working through his feelings himself, which I, I think is a. I feel like we don't get episodes like that enough, and so I really liked this. Yeah, me too, and that that is like uh, common anti-anxiety tactic to be like, hey, have you tried like verbalizing these or telling these to somebody else because often yeah i will do the same thing of i'll say it out loud and be like oh that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard of why am i worried about that so i'm glad that arthur got there on his own as well because some people have trouble with that uh finally carrot cake is very upset after arthur surprises her and she jumps out the window in the front room and she gets caught in a bush as she's trying to run away so Arthur very gently use, helps and with help from Buster and Nurse DW, who we haven't seen in quite a long time, uh, frees her from the bush, takes care of her. She has a few uh, thorns in her nose. Arthur takes them out, but she's still kind of afraid of Arthur. Like, that, that doesn't win her over immediately. And Arthur accepts this. You know, he says, "Not I'm not going to be every dog's favorite person, so that's okay. And Buster even adds, we get a little bit of the Baxter family tree here, Buster says that Carrot Cake doesn't really like 
his aunt and uncle who own her, or Bitsy. She just seems to like him and Buster's cousin, Karen. Uh, so they take care of her because Karen likes her so much. So that's that's why sometimes you might take care of an animal who's like not your best friend, which seems a little odd to me, but whatever. It's nice that they do that. But the little uh, inkling of hope here, because Arthur was feeling down about his status as a dog person and felt that maybe he isn't the best person to volunteer at the dog shelter anymore, which he has been doing regularly. So he takes care of Carrot Cake, and then on the way out, uh, Carrot Cake gives him a little lick. So maybe maybe she's coming around to him, or in her own way, she does like him. She just does not, doesn't love him as much as, say, Buster. And Arthur goes back to work at to volunteer at the at the dog shelter. And to all the other dogs who love him, like every other dog in this episode really, really loves Arthur. So he's not short for dogs that are crazy about him. Nice, nice little, nice little way to end that. Here in our last Arthur episode, we're watching in the year 2023. So Lucas, double buster episode, let's go back to Buster isn't buying it. What did you think? I loved Buster isn't buying it. This is kind of the opposite feeling I had. You know, last episode, the second I knew we were getting dog and baby. And then, you know, last week we, I don't know if me and you were just in a bad mood or if it really was this, but we came away last week going, this is the worst episode of Arthur we've ever seen. The, uh, I, this was a brush of thresh air because not only is it a Buster episode, it is a Buster episode that dares to do something totally different with the character and explore an aspect of him that we've never seen explored before. If you think back to the early episodes of Elwood City Limits, back when we used to joke about, you know, Buster listening to Joe Rogan, this was always kind of a, an aspect of Buster's personality that's really fun to play with. And so I was delighted by the premise of this whole episode to kind of turn the whole thing on its head and have Buster become the ultimate skeptic. Uh, you know, when people make memes online of like the inverse of the crazed conspiracy theorist is the debunker, the debunker who he demands to have, um, you know, uh, statistical data to back up any point, even the ones that would be the most self-evident to most regular people. Uh, you know, your Adam ruins everything type of debunker. Where's the, the, um, the, the measurable data to back up, you know, and this is, this is exemplified by when Buster asks Arthur, <laughs> does he have any proof that it's a nice day outside? Um, so I thought this episode was really creative. There was a ton of laughs. I pray that we get more of the factoid front with Martin Spivak. Um, and I kind of like, I, I much like you, Will, liked the conclusion of this episode where, you know, you can be non-gullible, but you can still let magic into your life. And I think it's a great moral too, because it's, it's a little bit out there for Arthur in that most kids shows I think are really focused on you, uh, listening to the facts. Uh, yeah. and as you and I know, someone who's a little bit too into the facts can get kind of annoying. You know, you get into like amazing atheist territory at a certain point where nobody wants to <laughs> listen to you. You know what I mean? This is the spectrum, yeah, right? Yeah. You could be yeah. a crazed conspiracy theory lunatic, or you could become a uh, shutter, a Redditor. So uh, <laughs> this episode of Arthur is kind of the moral of the story is don't be a Redditor and let some magic into your life. Uh, and I loved it for that. I love the moral and I think it's really funny. And I thought it was deeply entertaining, which is 
All I really asked for from an Arthur Epp. What about you, Will? Yeah, I really liked it. I I think that I think between the two of us, you probably enjoyed it a little bit more than I did. But I still really like this episode, and I agree. Part a big part of that is that it comes away with a a moral that you didn't expect. So you know, instead instead of the episodes this season where we've been like learning about the brain or like the planets and all that kind of like d- typical public television stuff, this is a social lesson that people of all ages could take some lesson from in that being that belief in this sort of thing let's just say aliens as as i said before as long as it's not harmful it can actually be quite positive for people's lives and i think that's important to know especially i think it's great to have a character like buster who is so prone to extremes because then you can see the in in episodes like these you can see where both neither extreme is the right answer wanting facts for absolutely everything before you commit to anything not what you want to do believing everything as it is not what you want to do the answer usually lies in the middle and yes buster tends goes back to being a believer but that's because that's who he is that's who he feels that is is a part of his character as a as a character (laughs) um but yeah there's some really fun funny jokes in here um some great designs again like some sometimes they really pull a cool you know we had the 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 pal swatches in the last episode but like the megatoad looks really cool in that opening and i have to give them props for that and yeah i just thought this was very very entertaining and as always with the with a great arthur episode comes a lesson that you didn't expect to learn but i think resonates even at an adult level i also really liked one ornery critter like both of these i i liked quite a bit now i wouldn't say that one ornery critter is going to be in my top at the end, and I must admit, a big part I like about this episode is Carrot Cake. I think Carrot Cake, if we were talking about another kind of dog here that wasn't as cute, then I might not be. Or if Carrot Cake had spoken English, like, then I would have been. And, and by English, we mean the Queen's English. The Queen's Oi, English. Oi, Carrot Cake, William. Anyway. Um, yeah, if she had sounded like Malcolm McDowell, then I wouldn't have really liked it as much. But she doesn't. She's just a cute dog. And, I mean, it's it's a tried and true thing to be like, what is Arthur anxious about this time? And it's getting to be a little bit old, I think. Just that, oh, Arthur is insecure about this. Like, Arthur can be insecure about anything. And the more we make these episodes, it's just like, we realize, it makes me feel like Arthur's psyche is balanced on the most fragile of tipping points. And at any point, he could just go sicko mode. Uh, and it's it's funny. Like, I do think it's funny, and there is something relatable about it as somebody with anxiety but it's also just like oh geez arthur having another identity crisis this time over a dog didn't like him and so it's beginning to escalate to a point of almost self-parody but it's still pretty fun like i i think having arthur be on the back foot in these cases usually brings something funny or relatable out of his character so i liked that part of it and i appreciated that it also had I wouldn't say a lesson, but just it didn't end cleanly. I was expecting for Arthur to save her and for her to like jump into his arms and like absolutely love him now. It's like, no, she's still not crazy about him, but in her own way, she's like warming up to him a little bit, which I thought actually worked better than if we did the typical um, 
yeah, she she absolutely loves him now that he saved her. So that doesn't happen. And I liked adding to Arthur's character that not only is he he loves obviously we we have seasons and seasons worth of proof how much he loves pal how much he loves uh just taking care of him but now that extends to all dogs and i can't help but imagine that this was potentially something to drop for like you know if we ever do a flash into the future like maybe arthur grows up to be a veterinarian or something uh but and not to say that he couldn't continue to volunteer at a dog shelter or continue to own dogs as he gets older but uh from what we've seen in arthur's future it doesn't quite pan out like that anyway i i I really liked this too i thought this this was very entertaining i uh i agree we're this is one of those weeks where we're pretty much seeing completely eye to eye will i i too enjoyed this episode not as much as buster isn't buying it but i think it was a great episode and i agree with kind of the elements Um, The reason I think this works, even though it's yet another in the saga of Arthur kind of being really in his own head about something, is that I like that he resolves it himself. I like that he works through it himself, and it's not some sort of external event that makes him have this epiphany. It's just kind of him wrestling with his own feelings, and then he makes the right conclusion and the right call at the end. And I, too, agree that I liked that it was realistic, and the dog just doesn't... It's not like, how many cartoons have we seen where there's, like, an evil lion or something and the kid, like, takes the um, splinter out of its paw and then it's nice and loves the kid immediately. That's been seen a million times. And I thought this episode risked going into that territory with kind of uh, Arthur's rescue of Carrot Cake at the end. But it doesn't. It stays kind of realistic and Carrot Cake is still kind of a, a nervous dog. Um, so I liked that aspect as well. Overall... A great pair of episodes this week. I think you must have been extra nice this year, Will, for Santa to have smiled upon us like this. I know. Uh, I guess I'll have to keep it up if if it means we get this kind of Christmas presents at the end of the year. Uh, Speaking of Christmas presents, as we're recording this, this just uh, slid across our digital desk. So before we say goodbye for 2023, I'm going to do something I don't know if I've ever done and reopen the mailbag, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com, because just 17 minutes ago, this came in from Funith, and it has to do with the holidays, so I want to get to this before we exit the holidays. Here's what Funith says. Since it's the season for winter holiday classics, that means it's time for the one Arthur special I enjoy, minus DW's Bratitude, which is Arthur's Perfect Christmas. That got me thinking about how this is like the only good Arthur special, whereas the ones that followed feel like such a waste of time and effort. Um, I don't know if I agree, Funith. Uh, I th- we might be forgetting Arthur. It's only rock and roll, which that's 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 a good time. And honestly, I think there's things to like in all of the Flash Arthur specials as well. We've done commentaries for all of those, so if you're uh, curious to check them out, make sure you do it with our voices in your ears. Funith continues. I wonder if Arthur's Perfect Christmas would still be as entertaining and quality as it is if it was made later on in the show's life. Would the classic lines still pack a punch uh, if we were going through the motions that register that a lot of Flash episodes have? Would any new Arthur voice affect how we take in this plot line? Choice of music, subplots. I also wonder if the specials that came after would be different if they were made during the classic Arthur era. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's hard to say, especially because... A lot of those newer Arthur specials are so, they felt so intrinsic to, because like there are parts of those specials, like we're talking about the Halloween one, Thanksgiving, um, 
uh, what's the other one? The, the rhythm and roots that are like, well, they have to do with characters that we introduce later into Arthur, like Aunt Minnie and uh, the Compsons and those people. So it's hard to imagine what exactly that would be if we transplanted them back and forth. Um, would Arthur's Perfect Christmas be as good if it was in Flash? I don't know. Uh, it's it's you know what? It's kind of hard for me to say. I feel like I've talked about this before, but. Arthur's Perfect Christmas, I'm not as nostalgic for because I never watched it as a kid. I actually only watched it when I was older, and I do like it. I just don't – it doesn't have the same – I have the same feeling about it as I do for all the other Arthur specials, which is that they're pretty fun. All of them are pretty fun, you know, on varying scales. Um, But, you know, I bet if it was made now, I – personally, I don't know if I would notice if there was a big difference. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm more nostalgic for a commentary of Arthur's per- Perfect Christmas, which is, by the way, available. We're all, do you have to pay for the the Patreon to get the commentary out of people? No, no, no. In fact, if you go on to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits, or just look up Elwood City Limits on YouTube, we have a playlist of all of the available commentaries, including this year we have made available our commentary for the Peanuts Christmas special as well. So check that out. Yeah, But yeah, to, you can go there and you can listen to our Arthur's Perfect Christmas commentary. I like briefly opened it the other night and you can hear us before a worldwide pandemic happens. There's so much more life and youth in our voices. Uh, but yeah, we have all of those available on our YouTube channel. But Funith, thank you for the email. Appreciate your thoughts on this. As we end off this episode, Lucas, uh, 2023, what a year. We're going to be uh, heading off and uh, taking a little bit of a break before we get back into it. When we come back, we are going to be talking about Maria Speaks and postcards from Binky. So I'm to understand Maria Speaks. I think that's going to be a little important or at least notable. And postcards from Binky. Well, well, who knows? The cards on the table. Who knows what's going to happen? But Lucas, I want to say thank you to you, my friend, for for a great 2023. We've had some really fun experiences this year, and we're going into another packed year because we've still got a lot of Arthur left to go. I can't wait. Me neither. All right. So from all of us here, well, for both of us here, at, well, uh, all three of us, Mike, uh, from all of us here at Hellwood City Limits, thank you so much for listening. Um, don't forget to check out our it, uh, stuff, our previous episodes, all of our stuff that's available for free, or you can subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits for as little as a dollar to get access to shows like ECL Origins and For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast. Check that out. And if you need a, a fr- friendly voices in your ears this holiday season, because I know that uh, the holidays are not as equally fun for everybody. So we're happy to give you something to laugh and reminisce along to. But thank you for joining us for this year. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Truth. Definitely truth. It's on TV. We'll see you next time.